APM. This is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Last week on the podcast, we ran a story about growth mindset. It's a popular term in education that came from Stanford psychologist Carol Dweck in the early 2000s. Growth mindset is the idea that children are more apt to succeed if they believe that intelligence is something that is achievable and not something that is fixed. For example, a fixed mindset would be, I can't do this math problem because I'm just not good at math. But a growth mindset is, I'm struggling with this math problem, but if I work hard, I can solve it. Educators who espouse a growth mindset approach also believe that teachers and parents should praise kids' effort instead of praising their inherent ability. This week, we hear from a critic of the growth mindset movement. I think the correct response is not, gosh, with enough effort, I'll bet I could succeed at this. It's, why would anyone have to do this? Alfie Cohn is a writer who covers education and parenting and is a self-described contrarian. He recently wrote an article for Salon called The Perils of Growth Mindset Education, Why We're Trying to Fix Our Kids When We Should Be Trying to Fix the System. Senior correspondent Emily Hanford recently interviewed Cohn, and she started off asking him why the growth mindset idea is so popular among educators these days. It's simple, it's easy to understand, um, and it also has a kind of optimism that fits in very neatly with the whole self-help tradition in this country that goes back many decades. You know, I think I can, I think I can. All you have to do is have the right attitude about success, and then if you Uh, put your mind to it, you can make it happen. There are no limits on human accomplishment. Uh, It also reassures educators that they can do something about kids who have been stuck. And you don't have to make uh, uh, challenging changes to what you're teaching or how you're teaching. Uh, You got to fix the kid. And the real obstacle to success is just the kid's own, or in other cases, the adult's own Um, negative assumptions about limits. So um, that's very appealing on on a lot of levels. And a lot of folks across the political spectrum have really found it worth pursuing and have become proponents of it in a a big way. They've really become invested in the idea. All right. Well, we're going to come back to a few of those things. I want to continue to sort of take apart this idea because this piece that you wrote in Salon uh, recently is has a headline, The Perils of Growth Mindset Education. And one of the things you, you talk about in that article is this idea that hard work is the key. But the question you raise is working hard at what? You sort of raise this idea about curriculum and what exactly, if we want students to think about the idea that success is about working hard, what about the question of what they're working hard at? Can you, can you explain what you're getting at there? I've been working for many years, along with other folks in the field of education, at looking at what I think is uh, deficient about both curriculum, what we're giving kids to do in school, and pedagogy, which is how we go about teaching it. And those require changes in the structure of education. If we're giving kids uh, worksheets and textbooks, and transmitting a bunch of facts to them with lectures and requiring them to do practice on worksheets and homework and then grading them and testing them and so on. Um, and a lot of this stuff is frankly not worth doing. We're, we're cramming forgettable facts into short-term memory and we're having them practice things by rote 
where there, it really isn't learned in a context and for a purpose, and the kids themselves have very little to say about what it is that they're learning. It doesn't spring from authentic questions that children have about themselves and the world. And many of us have been thinking about how to make that better. What disturbs me about any kind of mindset is the idea that you don't have to question those things. You just adjust the kid's attitude or motivation or orientation. Um, so in, order, in, in other words, with most of what kids are given to do in school, uh, I, I think the correct response is not, gosh, with enough effort, I'll bet I could succeed at this. It's, why would anyone have to do this? And the more we focus on issues having to do with kids' attitudes about what they're doing, the less likely we are to develop a sustained critique of the curriculum itself. So you're, you're arguing in some way that this excitement about mindset is, is sort of displacing, taking our attention away from fixing other things about schools and curriculum? Right. The economists call that opportunity costs. You know, what are we not spending our time and resources on doing in order to do something else? And that's something I've applied across the board, not just to issues having to do with the mindset. If we're asking, for example, whether grades should be put online, um, then we're not asking why we're giving kids grades at all, given what the research shows about their destructive effects. If we're asking how many minutes of homework kids should be getting, then we're not asking why kids have to work a second shift when they get home from school in the first place, given that research doesn't support any advantages of that, um, and so on. So we're talking in, in some ways about the kind of implications of focusing on something like mindset as opposed to uh, what's actually going on in schools or other kinds of structural questions. But you, you also bring up this argument, this kind of more... Um, fundamental critique of the idea itself that that growth mindset is trying to get parents and teachers to change what kids get praised and rewarded for to praise kids for their effort and their their grit rather than their ability or their talent but you say that this idea of praise is fundamentally a problem that no matter what you're praising a kid for there's a problem with that yes why the, well th this is a this is a broader deeper idea that requires a, a lot more discussion i I wrote a whole book some years ago called Punished by Rewards that reviews research showing that rewards like punishments can only change behavior in the short run. And the more you reward people for doing something, the more they tend to lose interest in or a commitment at whatever they had to do to get the reward. So, for example, research finds that when you give kids rewards for reading, they become less excited about the reading itself. Now that's just a means to the end um, of getting the sticker, the star, the dollar, the A, or the pat on the head. The same thing is true with generosity. Studies have found that children who are frequently rewarded or praised um, are actually more self-centered because they've learned that it's not helping others that matters. It's just, again, a prerequisite, a means to an end of getting a reward themselves. And praise is just a verbal doggy biscuit, in effect. So um, that's a difficult and new idea for many people who have been led to think that punishments are bad, but rewards are good, even though those are two sides of the same coin. They're both ways of doing things to people 
instead of working with them. So along comes Carol Dweck, and the main way she talks about implementing the idea of the growth mindset is to praise kids for effort instead of ability. Don't say, um, hey, you're really smart. Say, hey, you really tried hard. And boy, we love that because that doesn't require us to rethink the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. It doesn't require us to address the difference between a doing to and a working with strategy. It doesn't require us to think, rethink the idea of power and manipulation and the fact that all praise and rewards and punishments are about control. All we have to do is change the script slightly and change what we're praising kids for. And that, to me, seems like a very convenient and therefore dangerous distraction from the questions, the deeper questions we should be asking. Praise is inherently problematic, and growth mindset allows you to escape that fact and just praise kids for something different. You know, I've spent a considerable amount of time reporting on and thinking about grit and growth mindset and non-cognitive skills and all the interest in this in recent years. And I, I come away with, you know, many of the same concerns that you're articulating here, um, especially because in many cases, it's advocates for low-income kids who seem especially enamored of these ideas. Or That's uh, right. Um, and this idea that, uh, that what dis disadvantaged kids need is just to work harder seems to fit pretty neatly into a you know, kind of familiar narrative that poor people are poor because they just don't work hard enough. That's exactly right. And in fact, in my article, I offer another example, which is where people talk about the reason that girls and young women don't go into science and math careers is because they, they have the wrong mindset. They just need to adopt a, a growth mindset to realize that they can get better at math and science, thereby very neatly circumventing the question of structural sexist institutions and assumptions uh, that are a better but more problematic explanation for this. Yeah, there's definitely a political uh, side to this. And I always ask the Latin question here, cui bono, which means who benefits? Who benefits from believing that the main thing we need to address in our education system, um, in the disparities and success between black and white, rich and poor, is kids' attitudes and self-discipline and, and ability or desire to continue to do whatever they're told to do. Um, and of course, you've got deeply conservative, corporate-style, test-driven approaches to school reform, especially in the inner city with African-American and Latino kids who jump on this stuff. Absolutely, let's train these kids to do what they're told, to believe they can succeed, and to stick with it no matter what. When in fact, the curriculum they're being given is often nothing more than test prep drivel that any reasonable person would find appalling and pointless. So you're making it sound like it's a very um, deliberate um, effort that's pushing this, this, this political agenda, this view of the, of the world and the economy. And I have to say, from having done a lot of reporting on this, when you talk to people who are very excited about these ideas, who about grit and growth mindset and, and think that this could really help uh, a lot of kids, I, I don't. I think it would be unfair to characterize that a lot of them are sort of consciously promoting these kinds of things that you just talked about. And it, it raises an interesting question, I guess. I mean, I'm skeptical of whether it's so conscious that there's this 
this sort of uh, conservative uh, agenda behind it all. And maybe there's a conservative agenda behind some of the ideas, but the way that it's being picked up in schools, I don't think necessarily the individuals who are promoting this and and I think believing that this really will help their students, I'm not so sure that they're trying to advocate that agenda. You may well be right. Um, certainly for many or even most of the people who've hopped on this latest uh, bandwagon in education. Some people, I think, have connected the dots. Uh, for example, the the ultra-conservative Walton Family Foundation, which has donated a great deal of money to vouchers and other conservative educational causes, just gave millions of dollars to promote uh, the study and application and training of grit. Now, that could be a coincidence. Um, uh, maybe they are more conscious about the political implications and likely um, outcome of, of, of doing these kinds of things. And a lot of terrific, well-meaning, even liberal educators have, are doing it for the best of reasons. Um, so you may well be right about that, but what's ultimately important is uh, what the implications are, what questions are, are not being asked, what possible approaches to making schooling better um, and our society more equitable are not being addressed as a result of, of uh, focusing on the attitudes of the individual kids and assuming that's the real problem. Yeah. Yeah. Although, again, again, to push back a little bit, I mean, I think even as, as, some, as someone who, you know, I think that this idea of growth mindset is appealing and interesting to people because I do think at this, there's a, a very deep central idea in the United States that that talent and smarts are somehow fixed, that you're kind of born smart or not. And this is sort of a relief from that to say, oh, there's another way to see it. And this is a way that could be helpful uh, to teachers and to students to, to show them you are not, you know, born into this kid who has been growing up in a not very good school and maybe hasn't been doing very well and sees sees themselves as unsuccessful in, in school or not smart or not as smart as others to be able to say to them, hey, that's not true. <laughs> you right. know, and that's lovely. And there's some truth to that. The idea that you can accomplish whatever you want, the sky's the limit, um, of course, is not just naive, but naive in a way that has political repercussions. Um, I think the longer and larger tradition in American life, though, is very consistent with growth mindset. I mean, more, you know, one of the things that distinguishes um, uh, this country from, from the old world is the idea that you can do anything. Um, and we, we've had this sort of uh, in, insipid... Um, you know, those, those stupid posters up to motivate people in schools and workplaces are all about how there's, there's no limits to what you can do, mostly on an individual level, I might add. That's part of the American ethos. it's so tricky for the individuals who are involved. I mean, I talked to a, a teacher um, years ago, and one of the things he said to me, this is a school that was very much focusing on teaching kids grit. I'm very interested in all the research on grit. And, you know, he said to me, you know, we don't want to downplay the significance of these kids being born into situations that are, you know, unjust. And then if they don't make it, accuse them of not being gritty. At the same time, he was very excited about what this work could do to help kids see that their kids who don't see a lot of possibilities for themselves, <laughs> see more possibilities for themselves. Yes, but grit, uh, unlike a growth mindset, although the two are often linked to each other, 
um, uh, has a, a bunch of other problems. I mean, if you look at growth versus fixed mindset, it makes a lot of sense. And Dweck has some good research that says that there can be at least temporary benefits to thinking in terms of effort rather than ability to explain outcomes. But grit is a different matter. When you think about grit as inherently worthwhile, you're not bothering to ask um, why you're persisting and at what, and to realize that in many cases, uh, there's a sort of non-productive persistence where the best thing to do and a good thing to teach kids is when to say, this isn't working, or this brings me no joy. It's time to to stop, to stop digging if I'm in a hole. Yeah, I have to say that as a reporter, sometimes when you go into a school that just seems to not be working and you look at the kid who's just kind of angry and basically saying, you know, F you this, you think, well, that's the kid maybe who knows what's going on. (laughs) Right, right, right. But but so much of this, though, um, calls back to a very basic idea in social psychology, which is called the fundamental attribution error. Uh, And that error is to attribute to individual ability or effort or attitude or motivation what in fact is a result of the system, the structure, the environment we're in. Just to take one of many possible examples, cheating that goes on in schools is predicted far more by the kind of education that's offered than by the attitudes or values of the individual students. So if you wanted to get rid of cheating, you wouldn't embark upon some character education approach to teach kids about honesty. You would look at what actually predicts cheating, which is the presence of grades, competition, teachers who don't really know their kids well, and an emphasis on achievement and results as opposed to discovery and learning. So I have nothing against the idea of replacing a fixed mindset with a growth mindset. I'm arguing that what we need to do is the much more difficult and scary work of sort of pulling the camera back to ask why we're focusing on mindset, that is to say individual attitude and orientation at all, when most of what needs to be done in education, particularly if you're interested in issues of equity, is about asking broader questions, not just about our whole society. We don't have to wait to the revolution, you know, to to do good education. I mean the structural changes that have to be accomplished in classrooms. You show me a classroom where kids are engaged in interdisciplinary student-designed projects, where it's collaborative, where they get to make the decisions, where they're learning stuff in a context rather than memorizing facts and filling out worksheets. And I'll show you a place where you don't have to just teach them different orientations um, or beliefs about success or train them to be gritty and persistent because that stuff organically emerges from stuff that is authentically engaging. You need to push persistence when you're giving kids stuff to do that they understandably have no interest in doing. That was writer Alfie Cohn speaking with ARW's Emily Hanford. Cohn is the author of The Myth of the Spoiled Child, Challenging Conventional Wisdom About Children and Parenting. You can find a link to Cohn's work at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, you're going to find more podcasts about issues in K-12 and higher education, and you'll have the opportunity to browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects. AmericanRadioWorks.org. 
Meanwhile, we'd love to hear what this podcast made you think about, whether or not you'll share it with friends or colleagues, or if it changed your ideas about how to motivate children. You can let us know at AmericanRadioWorks.org. We're also on Facebook at American.RadioWorks and on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from Lumina Foundation, the Spencer Foundation, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Smith, and this is APM.